And I hope this morning as you were worshiping that you caught the theme of the cross. And just thinking about that, the cross was the greatest act of, of love and kindness in the history of the world. And we today celebrate, we today feel the effects and the benefits of the cross and throughout all of eternity we will experience that. We begin Holy Week this week. Does anybody know what the church in the world celebrates today? What happened on this day 2,000 years ago, around 2,000 years ago? Children, anybody know? What is today? What is today? Does anybody know? Palm Sunday. Who can tell me what happened on Palm Sunday? Does anybody know? Today is Palm Sunday. We have determined that. What happened on Palm Sunday? Jesus, who said that? Uh, Here we go. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. That is right. This is Holy Week. This is the week that, that we remember what Christ did on the cross for us. This is the week where we think about and, and, and we together process this whole event of the cross. In your bulletins this morning, there is a, a reading plan for you for the week to help you to, to, to remember the cross, to celebrate what Christ has done. And, and so my encouragement to you is that that. This will, this will enable you to, to, to track the footsteps of Jesus throughout this holy week. And every day remind you of what Christ did. Today we remember the triumphant entry. Monday we will remember something else. But I want to encourage you as individuals to take time this week to, to, to track along and to read about Jesus' final week. As families, I hope that this week you take time as families to teach your children what happened this week and, and what Jesus did for us on this week and, and to track along, to remember the cross of Jesus. You know, Thursday night, we're going to gather together to, to partake in the Lord's Supper together, the, the, the thing that we observe to remember the cross, the partaking of the blood and the body of Christ, the, the bread and the wine. We will remember. Today, we want to remember the cross and, and what Christ has endured. Well, we also want to understand what, what the cross accomplished. So here in just a little bit, we're going to read Luke chapters 22 and parts of 22 and 23. And I'd like for you to turn with me there. But I want you to do something. I want you to do more than just listen with your ears as, as we read this part of Scripture. I want you to experience the crucifixion the account that that Luke has for us on the crucifixion. I want you to put yourself in Jerusalem on that day. I want you to imagine how it felt. I think so often we read the Bible 
either because it's something we have to do, so, so we're fulfilling an obligation, so I did my devotions, or, or we read it like the newspaper where we're just trying to, to gather information, we, we skim through and we pull out the things that, that we want to know, and, and so it's more of an informational kind of thing. When the Bible is meant to be read, it's meant to be more than just read, it's meant to be experienced. It's meant for us to to put ourselves into that place, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And so as you read scriptures, as you read throughout this week, the accounts that, that you'll be reading as you track along, I want you to walk alongside Mary and the mother of Jesus and feel what she may have felt when she watched his trial and when she watched him him being uh, flogged and, and ripped apart. I want you to walk beside her as she goes on her journey to Golgotha with her bloody beaten son. Yeah, I want, to, I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes who, who after realizing that what Jesus had told him that he would deny him three times and Jesus looked at him, I want you to feel what Peter felt. How did that feel when, when Peter denied him and, and Jesus looked at him with, a, with eyes of sorrow thinking, Peter, what were you thinking? Because we've all denied him. I want you to feel what Malchus felt when Jesus reattached his ear to the side of his head. I want you to feel what Pilate felt knowing that that he was dealing with an innocent man and, and yet chose to give in to peer pressure and hand him over to be crucified. I want you to, to, to be Simon of Cyrene who had the privilege of carrying Jesus' cross to Golgotha. I want you to experience that. I want you to try and understand what these people were going through. I want you to stand at the foot of the cross where the soldier stood that had partaken in in beating Jesus and hanging him on the cross and finally looking up and realizing and saying, truly this man was the son of God. I want you to feel what John felt when Jesus looked at him and said, John, take care of Mary. And I want you to stand there the moment that Jesus took his last breath. I want you to stand there in silence, looking at this broken and bruised body and realizing that he is there for you. And in the quiet of the moment, I want you to see. I want you to experience. I want you to understand 
that he was there for you. I don't want you just to read over that and to, to, to understand it as fact. I want you to feel it. I want you to stand in the shadow of the cross realizing that your sin and my sin put him there. The debt that I owed, he paid. I don't want you to take that for granted this week. And I want us now to to listen We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have a narrated version, a dramatized version of Luke, parts of Luke chapter 22 and 23, along with some visuals of Luke 22 and 23. So so listen carefully, watch, and try to experience what we're reading. Go ahead. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, They led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy! Who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Christ, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, 
Are you then the Son of God? He replied, You are right in saying I am. Then they said, Why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. With one voice, they cried out, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time, he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Father, as we reflect on these words from the book of Luke, Lord, help us to remember, to rejoice in the work that was done on our behalf, the sacrifice that was made for us. And may we be changed by them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So those were the words of Luke. And a, a good way for us to go through this week is to take a harmony of the Gospels and, and to blend together the four Gospels and how they record the final week of Christ. But the thing that, another thing we have to ask ourselves as we read through this week, as we, we read what Jesus did, we have to ask the question, why? Why did Jesus have to die this brutal death? We have to understand, first of all, that, that this was not a random act that caught God by surprise. We have to understand that this wasn't some movement that got out of control that, that God didn't expect to happen. Acts chapter 2, verse 23, said, when Peter was preaching his first sermon, um, it says that this man was handed over to you by God's purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, nailing him to the cross. 
And then Revelation says that of Jesus, the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world, which means this was the plan that Jesus, that the Son of God would die for the sins of the world. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. We see it pointing forward to to Jesus, to to him being sacrificed on the cross. We see it through the sacrificial system. We see Isaiah talking about it. We see it in Psalm 22. Everything pointing forward to Christ. And here in a couple weeks on April 2nd, we will celebrate the Passover meal together, which points forward to Christ. Hundreds of years before he came, when, remember when the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. When the ten plagues came to release them, the tenth plague, which was, which was the death of the firstborn of everyone in Egypt, but there was one exception. Every family that, that did what God had told Moses, and that was to, to slaughter a spotless lamb, to take the blood from that spotless lamb and, and to paint the doorposts of their, their houses. And it says that, that the death angel passed over all of those homes where a lamb had been sacrificed. And so we celebrate that. That was a pointing forward to a, one day when another spotless lamb would take us out of bondage of sin. but it required a spotless lamb to die, to give its life to free the children of Israel from the bondage of sin. And it took a spotless lamb to free us from our bondage of sin. That's why John, in John 1, 29, when Jesus first appears on the scenes of, uh, as an adult, he looked and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is that spotless Lamb that took away the sins of the world, took away our sins. You know, Hebrews chapter 9, if you turn there with me, um, the, bo- the book of Hebrews explains this. It says in verse 21, in the same way he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything used in the ceremonies. In fact, the law requires, now listen to this, that nearly everything be cleansed with blood because without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness. Then in verse 24, it says that for Christ did not, appear, did not enter into a man-made sanctuary, the temple, in other words, that it was only a copy of what was true, but he entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. For Christ, nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priests did, but it says then Christ would have been made to suffer many times since created. But, it says, now he has appeared once and for all at the end of all age to do away with sin by his sacrifice of himself. We have to understand that Jesus came to once and for all take our sins away through his sacrifice on the cross. 
You have the Old Testament blood that we read about. The Old Testament sacrificial system was just a faint picture of the shed blood of Jesus. See, Jesus has made atonement for our sin. The word atonement simply means the work that Christ did in his life and death to earn our salvation. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. You see, here's the bad news. We are all separated from God by our sins. Every one of us was separated from God because of our sin. We all deserve to bear God's wrath against that sin. The word propitiation means the removing of the wrath of God that we deserve. We deserve to die for the penalty of sin because the penalty of sin is death. And all of us are in bondage to sin and the kingdom of Satan. That's the reality of every person that is born. Those facts. We are separated from God. We deserve to bear the wrath of God against our sin. We deserve to die. We are in bondage. That's our reality. That is who we are. If you've not accepted Christ, if you've not made him Lord and Savior, that's your reality. But here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus became the sacrificial, the the sacrifice that paid the penalty of my sin. Jesus became the sacrifice that paid the penalty of my sin. Do you understand the the, the significance of that? Because Jesus died, I will not be separated from God any longer. I will not experience his wrath that my sin deserves. I will not experience the penalty of eternal death. And I will not be in bondage to sin any longer. Because of John 4, 1 John 4, 10 says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Because God sent his son to this earth, to become a sacrifice for me, I will, I have the opportunity to have eternal life. But a sacrifice has to be made, had to be made. A removing or an appeasement of God's wrath and justice had to be accomplished. I had to be redeemed. In other words, someone had to pay the required price to secure my release from the bondage that I was in. We need someone to pay the payment for my sin, to pay this ransom. And that was Jesus. 
Every time I look at the cross, every time I read of the cross, then I should be reminded that was for my release from bondage. That was to keep me from experiencing the wrath of God. That was to give me eternal life. Mark 10, 45 says, He came to be the ransom for many. That was us. 1 John 5, 12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. Do you have the Son? Have you experienced the Son? Have you accepted Him as Lord and Savior? Because John says, He who has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. It's a pretty sobering thought that without Christ, I do not have life. Because of what Christ did, because he was willing to hang on a cross, because he was willing to take my sins upon himself, I have life. And I have life eternal. You see, all of my fears, all of my anger, all of my shame, all of my doubts, all of those things were hung on the cross. Any of those things that keep me from focusing on Jesus, I need to put at the foot of the cross. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. I'm reminded of what Christ did and, and of what the work of the cross really accomplished. It says in verse 13, it says, when you were dead in your sins and, un and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. When we were dead, he made us alive. And it says, having canceled the written codes with the regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away took it away. How? By nailing it to the cross. And then it says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Brothers and sisters, the cross is, is an incredible thing that we can never, ever quit thanking God for thanking Jesus for coming and dying, for forgiving all of my sin. Do you understand how powerful that is? And do you understand how without it you have no hope? Without the cross, we have zero hope. Because because of the cross, he canceled our debt. He took condemnation away. He took power and authority away from Satan over us. 
Satan is powerless over us when we accept Christ. And as things, as sin, because we still carry the flesh with us, and we will until the day we die. But as sins pop up in our lives, we must give them over. We must always carry them to the cross and leave them there. Too many of us try to carry our burdens and carry our sins to make so nobody ever finds out and we carry them and we become tired and tired and discouraged when there is a place we can take our sins, a place where we can take our burdens, it's the cross. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Peter says, cast all of your anxieties on him. Let me ask you, what are you carrying this morning? What thing did you bring in here that is weighing you down? What thing did you bring this morning that is discouraging? What, what, what thing, what sin did you bring in here this morning that, is, that you are just not able to overcome, that is just sucking life out of you? Peter says, cast all of those things on him. Take them to the cross because he cares for you. He says, be self-controlled. He goes on, be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around look like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You see, those things that you're carrying, those are the things that Satan uses to discourage you. Those are the things that he uses to lead you into more sin and into more discouragement. You see, Satan is going around looking for people, it says, for what? So that he can devour them. So he knows if you can get you to keep carrying these things with you day after day after month after month, he can whip you. He can discourage you. He can beat you down. And Peter says, no, cast your anxieties and cares on him. Don't let Satan control you. Don't let him devour you. Remember John 10.10, Jesus said, uh, Satan has come to what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have what? Life and have my have life abundantly. You see, as I take my sins and my stuff to the cross, I can live for him. I can keep my eyes focused on Jesus. When I take my stuff to the cross, I take it there and I ask, I say, Lord, take these things from me so that I can be free from them. You see, he died so that I could be free from my sin and from those burdens that I carry. 
You say, I must do as Hebrews chapter 12 says. Hebrews chapter 12 says that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let me ask you, what are you carrying this morning that is weighing you down? You must take that to the cross. You must take it there and you must leave it there. Because it goes on, it says, let us, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. As you throw off those things, I can, I can become who God has designed me to become, what he desires for me to do. And then Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. And says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross. He endured the shame for me. Jesus gladly takes our burdens upon himself and says, go run the race. But I must take everything that I want to control, all of my stuff, the reason you're carrying stuff this morning is because you're not willing to give it up. You still want a little bit of control over the stuff. Jesus says, bring your stuff here. Bring all of those burdens, all of those things that, that are, are weighing you down and give it to me and then focus on my face. Is your focus on your burdens and your stuff or is your focus on Jesus? Because he didn't die so that I could focus on my stuff. He died so that I could be free. And in that freedom, I can focus on him. And when I focus on him, then I will bring him honor and glory. You see, he ultimately died to bring honor and glory to the Father. But when I carry stuff, when I carry sin, when I live in sin, I can't honor and glorify God. It is only when I give him my stuff and I focus on Jesus, then I can honor and glorify him. My responsibility is to to focus and to gaze on Jesus and live out his purpose for my life. And this week as you read as you journey with Jesus through this last week, 
I want you to understand and realize the cross was not just a historical event. It was historical. But it was the event that changed everything. And it continues to change. And it will continue to change. As you read this week, Allow it to change you. Allow it to change you. Don't carry the things that you can take to the cross. Allow him to change you. Let's pray. Hmm, Father, this morning, you see the people that are carrying stuff. People that walked in here carrying burdens, carrying anger, carrying resentment, carrying discouragement. Carrying all kinds of stuff that the enemy is encouraging them to carry. Help them through your Holy Spirit this morning to see their stuff. And then give them courage right now to carry that stuff to the foot of the cross. To lay it there. Now Lord, help them to turn around and to focus their eyes to focus their gaze upon you. And Jesus, as they focus their gaze upon you beginning this day, that they could run the race that is set out for them. That they would no longer believe the lies of the enemy They will believe the truth of your word and your truth would set them free. Thank you that when we have the Son, we have life. Lord, for those that are here this morning and have not yet experienced life, draw them to yourself. Help them to see uh, through your Holy Spirit the need to confess Christ so that they would have life eternal. I thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing right now, right here, and pray you would continue that. That you would continue to change people. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. 
Amen.